Welcome, everybody. This is Heads and Tails. The month is December. The time is now. Merry Christmas, everybody. If that makes any sense. Yes, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Hanukkah's over, so we don't have to say it anymore, right? I think so. Right. I think it's, I think it's how that works. Oh, today's the last day, Bev says? Really? Well, Happy Hanukkah. No, I think it's over, I dude. thought it was over. Hey, Siri. Yeah. Is Hanukkah over? <laughs> she's really she's just doing it. All right. Her microphone still doesn't work. <laughs> Welcome to the show, everybody. We have a great show for you. Uh, we're going to talk to Eric Owens here of the American Distilling Institute. Hello. And uh, oh, here, sorry. Let me let me get you on there, Eric. Hello. Hello. Um, and what we're going to do today is talk about judging, judging spirits. Right. Now, for those of you on the beer side, um, on our other beer shows, we've talked a lot, uh, probably too much, about beer judging and what that means and, and the pros and cons, I guess, of uh, especially home brewing, where I get really mad if my judge, like, I don't understand the thing. I didn't win. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Basically, that's all it is. Anytime you're ever mad at a judge, it's just because you didn't win. Sure. Uh, me, personally, at least. Right. Anyway. Uh, but we're going to talk to Eric Owens here a little bit about ADI, and then we're going to talk to uh, Eric Zendona. I yes. believe uh, is how you, I got that right. It was the director of judging for uh, ADI's competition. And uh, we're actually going to sit here and do a judging in studio, Warren. Right. We're going to simulate what happens at ADI during their uh, professional competition. That's right. We're going to get mad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. That's just what it is. We're going to get mad and then we're going to fight both Eric's, I think. Oh, wow. That's how it's going down That's, today? Yeah. Okay. After this, you will be, both be professional judges. <laughs> <laughs> Every judging round ends in a melee combat, and it's uh, it's really kind of amazing. It's good because we're very judgy people, so I think <laughs> we'll, we'll do the fine at this. You're not, you're not incorrect about that. So I'm excited about that because I, I like, you know, as much as I like just talking about spirits and sort of surface enjoying things, sure. I like knowing how stuff works and I like the ability to be analytical if I can, right? right? Or if I need to be, or just, just as fun, you know, just for fun. So this is good for me going to be a great way. I've never sat in judge spirits other than, oh, uh, this is really good. I'm going to drink this separately, or this is kind of weird. Let me put some falernum and some lime in it and, <laughs> right. you know, then I have a corn and oil or whatever, right? Yeah. So we're going to be doing that. Yes. Oh, I was going to say, and now that since you're already a certified beer judge, this is going to complete your resume. Uh, first of all, I'm recognized, so oh, let's God. not let's not put the cart before the horse here. So, the, so the BJCP acknowledged your existence. That's that's where we're at. Yeah, I think so. I think okay. so. Man, I'm like, I feel like I'm redlining here. I feel like what happened is my my kid was in the studio for a second, and I think she kicked a bunch of stuff. I don't know. I feel like uh, my monitors are very weird right now. Blame the kid, huh? Right. I'm blaming the kid, man. That's what, you, that's what you have kids for. You she's blame not even them. one, and it's all her fault. No, she's turned nine, man. She's crazy. She's nine. She's the smallest nine-year-old nine. I've ever seen. Well, it's, it's like Benjamin Buttons, okay. but a lot slower. Oh, okay. Yeah, a lot huh. slower and in reverse of that. So she ages like every like you know in chunks like okay. a dog. She's basically like a dog. Oh, yeah. So she's sixty three then. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> well, didn't you say she was nine? She looked yeah, like she was nine. like nine months old. Well, look, it's a you know it's a genetic thing. I didn't want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but before we get to to judging spirits, I want to tell you about uh, this event I went to, and uh, we I went Warren and I went last time. It was a bullet yeah. another bullet bourbon event. Right. Um, this time in Oakland. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a block party. It was a lot smaller, um, but it was still just as cool because okay. it was in an abandoned, uh, the abandoned Amtrak station in Oakland, 16th Street Station. I didn't know Amtrak abandoned the station. I, apparently, neither did I. But oh. it's 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 a giant. It was a giant building, and we only got like a small a small part of it. Um, but <laughs> like, I got the email from uh, from Mike uh, there, and he's like, uh, "Yeah, it's at 16th Street Station." I'm like, "Oh, okay, at Bart, right in San Francisco, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh. out here. I'm like, you know, a we have we have Bart. If you don't know, yeah. yeah. Well, and I didn't know because and even though I'm a, a Area native, I, I ride Bart not all the time because I fear for my safety. But right. um, oh, come on, you want to live to an old age? <laughs> that's right. Uh, but often enough, <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, I, I thought 16th Street, Oakland, that's it. But in Oakland, it's 12th and 19th Street, and 16th Street oh, is in San Francisco. Right. And so I don't know. So I'm like, wait, it's at 
a BART station? I don't understand. Uh, but that was me being dumb and not knowing anything about the history of the, of the area that I live in. So apparently there is a uh, the old Amtrak station. It was called 16th Street Station. Okay. It's on Wood Street out there. If you're in you, Oakland, you can you drive You found by. this out after you were at the 16th Street Station I found I found this out. I found this out in the lift. Like, like you know, when, you, when you get out of the station, we got, I think we got out at like 12th Street. And then you look on the map. We were trying to figure it out. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. okay. I'm 10 Four minutes away. Lights. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, it was pretty dope, man. I'm going to say it was, uh, it was a 3D printed bar. So they had like the lattice work. If you look carefully at like the bullet label, there's like okay. lattice kind of work trim around it. Yeah. So they recreated that, but in like a 3D structure. So it sort of looked like uh, scaffolding, but okay. but in obviously much more you know better. It's better looking than just like here's the scaffolding. It's sure. Very geometrical. It looked great. All 3D printed. The surface was 3D printed. The actual like countertop was real cool, and they just had like four people in a line making drinks, and there were like four different kinds of drinks, uh, all of course showcasing Bullet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they had artists around. But you've doing... had Bullet before. I, yeah, I have had Bullet before. I like Bullet. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great. I think it's a great mixer, and uh, uh, it was amazing. I liked it. It was a great time. They had uh, a bunch of artists doing label work and stuff like that, and yeah. uh, some music going on. And then they had a uh, 3D printer for drinks. It was an actual drink. It was an actual <laughs> drink, you know, and that's what they a called drink it. Made by my was machine. it the, yeah, drink was it the made same by printer machine. that printed the bar? That would have been amazing. Here we go. Blup, blup, blup. Uh, no, but it had like this um, substrate, I guess. Uh, the the liquid that was in the the shot glass was a little thicker. It was like peach and apricot, almost like nectars. You know how sometimes okay. you get like the, the apricot nectar; it's kind of thick. Okay, right. like a syrupy kind of Yeah, yeah, a little bit less than syrupy, but, you know, still thick. Okay. And then the the machine, like, blobbed little blo- little balls of uh, tea tree oil and, you know, whatever. And the huh. bourbon was in this kind of, you know, the substrate to begin oh, okay. with. So it would, like, print. You could print the Eiffel Tower inside, like, in 3D space in the glass. Or uh, um, wow. a cube or... Um, uh, a bottle, like a like a bottle of you know bullet, right? Wow. A bottle shape or uh, one called like a supernova, where it's like this cluster of these balls, and then like five lines coming out from. It was really cool. <laughs> the drink was great. It tasted uh, good. It tasted good. It tasted very fruity okay. um, because of all the thing. And then yeah. they just had some German guy. Like I'm like watching it, right? And like watching them print my drink, and he yeah. leans over. He's like, "Would you like to know more about how this method works?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Hell yeah, dude." <laughs> You can yeah. tell me anything. All day long. I've already <laughs> had two drinks, and I'm like, I'm I'm watching my third get printed by a robot, and I'm like, yes, please talk to me. And then I couldn't understand what he was saying because it was, you know, I just I his accent was thick and the music was loud and it was uh, but anyway, it was a dope event, man. Bur- yeah. uh, Bulletin knows how to put on a put on an event. That's cool. And so then after- two for two now, <laughs> right? Basically, uh, and the best part is uh, afterwards we uh, got a cab to the Contiki and just posted up at the Tiki Bar for like three hours. Nice. So, I had a good time. (laughs) I had a good time with that. Any 3D printed drinks there? No. No? No, but they have a real good chicken sandwich. (laughs) Man. Any drinks on fire? Didn't have any drinks on fire, um, but I should have. I'll tell you that right now. They're, they have a, a like a rum library now, or like a rum club, where you go through and taste taste a bunch of rums and you you know write them down in your book and you get like a hundred and you get your name on the wall i think you get like a discount too so that's been fun i went to trader vicks for the first time and i didn't know this but one of the drinks i ordered uh came on fire oh really yeah and did you my, go to trader ta- my table was very your concerned beard okay yeah right yeah i made it my beard made it also wow uh, no invite for trader vicks Wow, burn. Bev went to Trader Vic's the other night for the first... Wait, did you guys go together? Oh, no, he's figuring it out. (laughs) Whatever. So anyway, (laughs) they were very uh, concerned that I blew... That I put out the fire... Before taking my first sip, for some reason. Well, you, for, for you some reason. You want to get rid of all the alcohol. <laughs> yeah. You're yeah. a walking tinderbox. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they were worried about me being the next tiki god. That's think, true. In their restaurant. Yeah, the god of f- flaming beards. Right. <laughs> I think it'd be a good time. All right, Eric, welcome to yes. the show. I appreciate you, Why, thank uh, you. you coming in. And uh, you are the vice president of yes. the American Distilling Institute. Yes. Well, uh, first off, thank you guys for having me. Uh, You know, 
judging is a funny thing. You know, there's so many people out there that are like, is this really blind? And you guys are so biased. And so it's really great that you guys are sort of helping us to oh, yeah. spread the message of, you know, this is a true blind tasting. We specialize in craft spirits. Not everything falls under that craft category. We do have blended spirits. But, yeah, it's great to come on here and talk about judging and what we do. Excellent. Yeah. Well, hey, I'm, anytime you want to come in and, and give us a little bit of knowledge, you're, you're more than welcome to because awesome. I don't know a whole lot about it, which is one of the reasons I wanted to start the show. Uh-huh. I don't know anything about it. And if, I don't, if I'm not forced to learn it, I'm just not going to learn it. You've been doing this for a while, though. I don't know if I, <laughs> well, I quite buy that. I mean, yeah, you don't don't ruin the the illusion. <laughs> okay, <though. laughs> sorry. <laughs> don't pull back the sheet. Yeah, yeah. great off. We're pulling back the curtain on your co- on your judging competition. <laughs> yeah, right, not on this show. Okay, let's, okay, let's, sorry. Let's get the other Eric on the line. Eric Zandona. <laughs> Do I got that right? Yeah, that's perfect. How you doing, Eric? Thanks for joining us on the uh, on the old phone here. Yeah, thanks for having me. And you are the director of judging. Yeah, for the ADI competition. <clears throat> All right, and uh, Eric, uh, the other Eric, was uh, talking to us a little bit off the air, just kind of about what judging entails. But it sounds like you just heard a bunch of people and, and make them do a bunch of complex uh, work. <laughs> because to me, judging is is very complex, and especially when you're like rinsing glasses and kind of doing all that. How do you how do you wrangle yeah. these people? So there's a lot of moving parts to it. That's for sure, and uh, which is one of the reasons why it's a full time job. Uh, so I, you know, I'm in charge of uh, selecting the judges and the stewards, reaching out, doing promotion to the distillers to get them to enter products, and uh, and then also working with the the venue where we have the event and the staff that cleans all the glassware and god that sounds so you're not um, you're not just working on the judging side you're also trying to get entrance as well yeah that's yeah. crazy yeah so you know you're right i mean so like during the competition itself so you know uh there's all this work that goes into uh you know getting the venue getting the judges getting the stewards um, to the place at the right time, getting all the bottles there and sorted. Um, but without, once it's going, like it's, it's a lot of work. There's a lot of people moving. There's a lot of people doing stuff. Um, on average, we're going through about 200 glasses an hour, wow. um, which is, is quite a bit. So, um, you know, with, depending on how many entries we have our the number of judges we have varies. Um, so, because we uh, we like to use uh, four judge panels, um, and then uh, the judges will sit and they'll they'll taste through flights and they'll make their notes and fe- write feedback for the the distillers and and uh, and then that gets cleared away and a new flight comes out and um, so it's a I like to say that the judging uh, is a marathon because it's a real uh, and you have to be kind of pace yourself. Yeah. You can't sprint through the samples. You have to take your time, allow your palate to adjust slowly as you know as you're tasting stuff. And so um, we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, when we get to the samples that Eric Owens brought. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a fun event to uh, to organize, and it's a, it's a lot of work, but it, I'm I'm happy to do it. How do you find judges? Is there a is there a certification program? Uh, are you asking for yourself? <laughs> or well, I, I mean, if you were offering, yeah, yeah. So I'm uh, <laughs> I get that question a lot more so now than ever before. Um, oh, so good. I inherited the judging. Uh, I I didn't start the I didn't start the ADI judging program. So uh, ADI's judging has been operating now for. 12 years, uh, 2019 will be, I believe, our 13th year. And uh, I've been um, working the competition for the last four or five years. And um, it was only in the last couple that I I took over as the director. Um, And so I inherited a a sort of a roster of, of judges and as our competition has grown, we've we've expanded that, and some people aren't able to return, and some people and we get some new people. And um, by and large, we're looking for people who are working in the industry, so they're distillers, they're uh, bartenders or bar owners, 
they're journalists who write about spirits or podcasters. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, media media would, would qualify. Which is um, the nice version of saying podcast. Right, yeah. Oh, I'm in the media. Oh, really? What do you do? Yeah. I record out of my basement uh, two times a day about my thoughts. <laughs> yeah, the word yeah, pod. Well, you, you, everybody pod starts somewhere. Caster. Yeah, that's true. Everyone does have to start somewhere, and uh, in our case, we've ended up there a couple of times. But it's, uh... <laughs> yeah, and so who else? Uh, we get wholesalers, distributors, importers. So basically, you know people who are in the business, right? Okay, yeah. Um, and then uh, people who are most likely tasting spirits very frequently throughout their work that, you know, their work life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they have a lot of experience with tasting different uh, spirits in, in a variety of categories. And, um, and then usually there's an additional aspect for us in terms of, they know they know a person who's already a judge for us so that we get a personal recommendation or um they reach out to me or they um there's a sort of a variety of methods uh the the recommendations are uh for new judges are usually more effective than just cold calls um <laughs> but uh the interesting thing that i've noticed recently is um there are uh, more people going through a process to get the uh, uh, WSET spirit certification um, than ever before. Um, So there is a certification program out there for for Yeah, there is. There's at least there's one at least one that I know of uh, run by the wine and Spirits Educational Trust or something like yeah. that. I, I don't remember the exact uh, what their initials stand for exactly, but they mm-hmm. um, they run a program and I think they have three levels of certification. It's basically like a sommelier program. Mm-hmm. Um, their approach to judging spirits is a little bit different than uh, my own personal philosophy. I don't think it's I don't think they have a bad view of how to approach spirit but it's just a slightly different one um and so um i think that's that's something interesting that i've observed over the last two or three years is a lot more people going through those courses but un but unfortunate for most of those uh new certified uh people is that the uh number of opportunities to to practice as a, a spirits judge are still fairly limited compared to beer and wine yeah and so um so it's it's uh, still a little bit of a difficult uh game to get into sure because um, you don't it, it's harder to judge on your own especially in you know beer you can taste stuff but uh what i find interesting is is sitting down with another qualified judge and mm-hmm. and talk and that that talk back i think that's how you that's how you learn and kind of hone your craft um so mm-hmm. you're saying there's just not a whole lot of competitions to to really do that with well the number of spirits competitions has been growing over the last few years so mm-hmm. for the let's see so uh the i believe that the the oldest spirits competition in the u.s is the san francisco world spirits competition Mm -hmm. and um and then ours was started i think two years maybe two years after there so theirs is around 15 years old ours are going to be around 13 and then that was that was sort of it for a long time there was the there's the beverage tasting institute in chicago and it's not quite a, a traditional competition. They they all they're always accepting entries um, throughout the the calendar year. They have a whole schedule and oh, gee. and and then they have like a, they use just like a point scale similar to a wine system. Um, and so you know people will say like oh I got a ninety two from BTI or I got a you know whatever. Yeah. And um, so they're. Um, but they're just based in Chicago, and so you know, if you're not in Chicago, it's almost impossible to you know be a judge for them. And, uh, <laughs> so, because you know, they they use people who they know in in their in their area. So sure. Um, and you guys don't so, use a point system. You guys award a first, second, and third in in different categories, right? 
Uh, yes and no. So, so individual judges will give a score, which is tied to whether or not they think the spirit should get a medal. Um, so our, our system is, is I, I like to describe it as sort of a hybrid system. Most spirits competitions will either just have a score that is averaged by the number of judges that they have, uh, or they will take that numerical average of the score and then, and then tie that directly to a medal. So like if you get between a 90 and a 100, it's a gold. If it's between 89 and 80, it's a silver, you know, and so on. Okay. Our system is, is a little bit uh, more flexible than that. So our, our individual judges will give a score, that, which is tied to a medal recommendation for the individual judge. But the panel, the group of four judges that are sitting and tasting together, they decide what the final medal or no medal will be. Uh, after all the spirits in a flight are tasted and everybody writes their scores and they write their feedback on, on what they thought was good about them and what they thought could be improved, um, the, the lead judge at the table, who we call the anchor, uh, he will lead a conversation or she will lead a conversation uh, about each spirit and they will say well the you know the the average sort of puts it in this area and we give the the panel leeway plus or minus a couple of points that if it's in within a couple of uh points in a in the sort of transition zone between between two metals mm -hmm. we give them the ability to say you know what this scored a high silver but really we think it's better than that so we're gonna bump it up or they're like, or they're like, uh, you know, the numbers say it's a bronze, but we're really not that excited about it. So we're going to, you know, we're going to say, no, we don't think it should get a medal. I, um, I think I, I kind get, of appreciate that that approach to it because it, it's not always the, the numbers are, are, aren't always going to tell the tale. I think at the end of the day, the spirit still has to be enjoyable. It could be right. uh, it could be a 95 whatever, but if something on the table just tastes better even though it doesn't hit the mark, is that kind of what you're saying? Then you guys can talk about that and, and elevate one uh, above the yeah, other? Yeah, we, we give them some flexibility. So unlike beer, so like most... That. As far as I'm aware, beer competitions just do one, two, three. Like what's first, second, third in each sort of category. Mm -hmm. For our for spirits, and this is true for pretty much every spirits competition that I'm aware of, um, you can get multiple medals in the same category or no medals in a category. Um, and so it is possible that in a given flight of, say, four to eight spirits, Maybe two will get a gold medal, and or none will get a medal at all, or there'll be a bronze and three silvers. Um, it's uh, oh, it's all dependent on the quality of the spirit in the glass, not not a just not just a ranking. Because mm. what we're asking our judges to do is to to evaluate the quality of the spirit, not to say oh, it's good, but only good in comparison to this other thing. Because mm -hmm. in real life you're never going to have those two spirits right next to each other. <laughs> right. Unless you're really lucky, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You know, so is that, uh, let me interrupt you for a second. Eric. It, are, are, do you have a, a list of guidelines like in beer? You know, we have uh, the style guideline for Porter and then that we match these, these up to. So spirits does not have strict style definitions like beer does mm -hmm. um though there are certain things that are sort of expectations mm -hmm. um, that you have and so we have a um sort of a loose style guide that that we provide to our judges that um especially if they're get they're you know they're sitting at a flight and it's a category that they they know but they want to sort of refresh themselves on like well, how is this supposed to be made? What am I looking for? Um, so let me give you an example. So, you know, we have two different categories in gin. One we call con uh, classic gin and the other we call contemporary style gin. And so the differentiation that we make is based on, you know, what we see out in the marketplace. So there are two sort of different styles that people are usually going for when they're making their gin. 
One is a sort of traditional juniper forward, um, classic style, London's dry style gin. Yeah. And what we call contemporary, some people call new American or new Western, mm. or there's a variety of names people use. Um, what we call contemporary are gins that have juniper, so they meet the legal standards for gin. Okay. Um, but the other botanicals in in what they're using are pushed forward. Maybe it's citrus, maybe it's floral um, uh, additions like hibiscus or lavender, or maybe rose petal, or maybe it's some other you know uh, botanicals like uh, sage or uh, uh, or oregano or thyme that they're pushing up because they want it to be really savory. Um, those those gins uh, we put into a different category. So if you're just used to tasting classic gin and you're like, well, the, what's going on here? Well, those new contemporary style, it's not defective. It's not, uh, it's not out of style because it is its own sort of category now right. of, of gins that people are making. That makes so, sense. We, but we so but in that same way we don't say well it should have this much character of coriander and this much of whatever you know sure. it, it, we, we don't set very specific i know like with beer there's like color indexing <laughs> yep you know, and all sorts of stuff hop levels and all that sort of stuff that yep. we we don't really have because in some ways i think spirits beer is very broad and what you can do, but but those style guides at the same time, I think, sort of um, at least for awards, sort of hem things in a little bit. Um, and so with spirits, people can be really creative and still fit within a style. Yeah, um, which is kind of why I appreciate spirits uh, right now. Well, I don't say more than beer, but maybe more than beer. <laughs> you said um, well, yeah, yeah. because I mean. It, I don't know. I'm a style guy, I guess, especially for, for beer. If I order a pale ale, I know relatively what to expect. But mm-hmm. I think I think with spirits, that expectation isn't there because they kind of have never really been, like you said, hemmed in. Where, you know, in the 90s, for me at least, uh, it was all about classification and categorization of beers. And then mm-hmm. only lately in the last, I don't know, what, Warren, 10 years, five years, all that kind of stuff has been broken out. So now pale ales are more like session IPAs. Right. And I don't like that. So I don't, now, I don't, now I can't drink them. And now it's this whole thing. But gin, uh, like gin, like you said, it's always kind of changing, at least for me, or whiskeys or, or bourbons or rums. Um, it, that it, it, I, I like the broad spectrum of that. And, and, but I can't apply that broad spectrum to beer because that's not how I grew up, essentially. <laughs> I, I just I can't do it, is there which a, is a yeah. weird thing. Is there a push for kind of like what happened 10, 20 years ago in beer to get more strict style definitions? Or is, does it seem like the industry is pretty happy with the more broad definitions of these categories? Some people, uh, there are some distillers who, you know, have their stance like, well, the way I make it is the way it's supposed to be, and that's that should be the standard. And you know, so I'll give you a, another example. So aquavit is a, a a type of spirit that's growing in popularity. It's a yeah, it's um, traditionally Scandinavian spirit that's flavored with caraway or dill. Um, and so there are some people who are, who are advocating that say like, well, an aquavit should be a spirit distilled, uh, with caraway and that that's aquavit. Um, and, and some people, you know, but the most well-known probably American style aquavit, um, is made in Portland and has a very strong anise component to it. Um, but it's still aquavit and it's and people like drinking it so i think for us in terms of the competition we're less interested i think in dictating what uh what the style should be but we're more interested in reflecting what's sort of happening in the marketplace and what people are doing and so we've expanded and contracted categories over time as the craft movement has matured and and Got people it. are are experimenting with new things. So if we have twelve different aquavits entered into our competition, yeah. we'll group the Kway ones together, we'll group the dill ones together, and we'll group the anise ones together. And then we'll send those out to the judges in different flights so that they 
can evaluate similar things together, um, and, but not have a caraway and a dill and an anise right next to each other and say, <laughs> right. It's all the same thing. Judge them. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Um, I'll tell you what, guys, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, let's get into the judging. Let's try this, Warren. Let's yeah. see if we can do this and uh, bring our weird knowledge to people who have more of it. I'm ready to award some medals. <laughs> Gold. Yeah, right. Yeah, I just want to order. I want to award medals with a T, like metal. Like, oh, metal. Like, yeah, like here's some iron. Here's some lead. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're, playing, we're playing. We're uh, playing Settlers of Catan right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, everybody. This is uh, Heads and Tails. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. We're going to be judging some spirits. It's going to be a good time with eric and eric from the american distilling institute Not hang on using it all no uh, hang on we'll be right back all right welcome back everybody thanks for sticking around so, yeah, I was hoping to add in, you know, Eric runs this monster. It's a three-day show, essentially. Yeah. There's around 50 judges. There's 15 stewards. Last year, there was around 1,000 spirits. Jeez. And so the judges are basically sitting there. There's four to a table. You know, it's like he said, there's a mixture, consultants, distillers, media types, and People are tasting through 50 spirits in a day. This is 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., so two days straight of this. So you you definitely have to spit to make it through this. Mm. But just managing all the people, all the stewards, pouring the spirit into a glass, getting it out to the judge, bringing them back in, washing it. And then there's this whole secondary life to this thing, which is, you know, the judges write notes. And then we need these notes, actually. One of the big things that we pride ourselves in— our judging is giving people feedback and really wanting this, the the industry to grow, you know? Yeah. So the judges actually say, hey, you know, then this is, you guys were talking about beer, and I think it's really the, the, the similarity is we're looking for faults. We're looking for things that are off and giving people feedback on their spirits to say, hey, maybe you want to, you know, check for this and try to alter it in the future. Mm, that makes sense. Uh, okay, well, speaking of spirits, we have four in our glass in front of us. Right. And uh, do we know what these are? Should we know what they are? Or are we just doing this blind? Or how are we? How judges, Take us through this. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, when they do do judgings, you are sort of told this is a bourbon zero to two years old. So you have some idea. It's not completely blind <laughs> as to what you're Here's tasting. Here's the liquid. That's too so, bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is this? Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I brought you guys in uh, four samples today, sort of, uh, well, it's not sort of. Two brandies and two rye whiskeys. So okay. we will okay. start. The first two are brandies. Okay, so I'll put the whiskeys over here. Okay, so what do we so do? So what I can tell you about the brandy. So like when, if you were sitting at our judging panel, you would get these glasses in front of you, and you'd have some score sheets in front. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we would, here. Yeah. yeah, so we would write down some for some basic information before we start, which is, uh, what's the glass number? So each number gets a four-digit number that we sticker mm-hmm. onto it. I, I, I don't think we've stickered these, no, but we I call them no. 001002, yeah. you know, just as an example. Okay. But you don't know what the distillery is. You don't know what the spirit name is. But the category, in this case, is aged grape brandy. That's the category. Aged grape brandy. Brandy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, do you even get to know grape or just... Nope. Right, yeah, so just brandy. Yeah. Okay. And uh, and then uh, on the sheet that the anchor will have, they'll get a little bit of extra information that they share with the judges. So I can tell you that the first sample is between 40 and 43% ABV, and the second sample is between uh, 40 and 45% ABV. Okay. And would they get typically, you know, four or, or however many in a flight at once, or would it be it's, it's one at a time? No, yeah. So typically our flights are between four and eight spirits at a time. Wow. That's a lot once, of spirits. 
Yeah, it can be. Though, uh, again, ADI is a little bit of an outlier because, you know, as Eric said, you know, we ask our judges to, to review about 50 spirits a day. Um, and like I said, our upper limit for flight size is around eight. Um, that's about half of the industry standard. So okay. most competitions, they're asking their judges to run through 100 spirits a day. Wow. And they will serve them anywhere between 12 and 20 spirits at a time. That seems irresponsible. <laughs> Honestly, it really does. It seems irresponsible. Like, we don't even do that in the beer side. The beer side is usually like 12 to a flight and two rounds. Right. That's crazy. One of, the, one of the differences, though, like with our competition and most others is that you, uh, is that we're asking our judges to write notes, right? Mm -hmm. If you see the score sheet that you have in front of you, we have two boxes. Uh, one asks what's good about the spirit, and the second is how could it be improved. Uh, most competitions don't have that. They just have a box for a score. And so if you're tasting a spirit, if you take a small sip, you nose it, you spit it out, it's oh. pretty simple to come up with a, a, a judgment within a short amount of time. And so they can push their judges to do more spirits in a day because they're just asking them to, to come up with a number. Hmm. Okay. Well, that makes sense. So, Should we so, be spitting or? or... <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm so already the done. Thing, <laughs> so the first thing you want to do when you approach a spirit, spirits in a flight for a competition is you nose the, the whole range, the whole flight. You, so you don't do one at a time. You first nose the first one. You think about it, you make some notes for yourself, uh, and then you put it down and you go to the next class and you do the same thing. You nose it again with your mouth open so that you're getting as much of the of vapors and the volatile aromas as you can. Uh, and then you, you jot down some notes about what you think, what you like about it, what okay. might be, you know, maybe you're, you're getting an off note and so you'll, you'll make a note of that to, to think about later. And then once you've sort of evaluated the aroma of each spirit in the flight, then our judges will go back and start to taste them. So you'll take a small taste. And unlike wine, I'm not that familiar with beer judging, but unlike wine, it's a good idea to uh, taste the spirit and spit it out fairly quickly. You don't want to keep it on your tongue for a long time. Yeah, like I just did, and then it burns. <laughs> yeah, because of the higher alcohol content, if you keep the, the spirit in your mouth for a long time, the alcohol will just eat away at your taste buds, and <laughs> hmm. it'll numb your tongue. And okay. so you won't okay. be able to taste much for the next round. See, and I appreciate that because how I you know, got introduced – to spirits is by a, a friend of mine who uh, is very into tasting stuff. He's a, a library full of stuff, but that's how well, library, a, of library of tasting library of the library of tongues. He's really, not a person. He's weird. a library. Yeah, that's true. Um, and that's how he would teach me is you, mm -hmm. you swish it in your mouth, you keep it in there, you go over the flavors. Um, but now if I'm going to be tasting more than one thing, maybe I, I'm learning. I shouldn't be doing that. That's incorrect. Yeah. Yeah. When you're doing, even even for me, like when I was first started doing, you know, multiple spirits for review in a day, mm -hmm. uh, I learned pretty quickly that by the fourth spirit, if I'm keeping them in my mouth for a long time to try and really think about what am I tasting, uh, you're you're going to burn your tongue out pretty quickly, and you're yeah. not going to be able to really get much for the next one. Okay. Um, and part of that is most of what we're tasting is aroma that goes through the back of our palate up into our nasal cavity, hmm. right? So we taste on our tongue what five things, sweet, salt, sour, uh, umami, and there's a fifth, fifth one I'm Bitter. forgetting. Bitter, yeah. right. So that's basically what your tongue is telling you, and also texture. Mm. Is, it, mm. is, it, is it kind of harsh on the tongue? Is it smooth? Is it thin? Is it heavy? Is it oily? Like your tongue will give you all that information. But in terms of the flavor, most of that is actually aroma. And so with alcohol, keeping the, the alcohol portion of the spirit on your tongue longer isn't helpful for the tasting and, and <laughs> evaluating. 
multiple spirits. Got it. Got and it. I, okay. I noticed that you said when evaluating the aroma, it's good to keep your mouth open. How does that affect what you're smelling? So basically what you're trying to do is uh, pull in as many of the volatile aromas as you can. Um, it allows – so your your mouth is connected to your nasal cavity right and there's something that that we call retronasal uh basically aromas it's that thing when you take a sip of something and then you you open your mouth afterwards and you you kind of taste it even more um and so those are the aromas that are evaporating off of your tongue going through the back part of your palate up into your nasal cavity and hitting your 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 um uh smell receptor your mm. And so um, having your mouth open uh, provides ba- basically a second path for those volatile aromas to travel. And it also helps uh, reduce how much ethanol you're going to get in your nose. Because if, if you stick your nose deep in the glass and you take a big inhale, you're going to get a lot of alcohol. And that alcohol is going to burn out your the the, the aroma receptor in in your nasal cavity. You know, it's time for a dumb question. No so problem. Here, here's a the dumb first question. one of the episode. Yeah, will that get you drunk? Just smelling it. Yeah. Just smelling it. Yeah. No. No. Make your nose burn. What if you were really good at smelling? <laughs> yeah, what if you had a big Greek nose like mine? <laughs> it's just a giant nose. No, I don't think so. I just snorted like getting nose. drunk is a, is a metabolic process right with that involves mm, okay. your body's uh inability to process alcohol faster than you're consuming it um so i, d- I don't think so mm. well let's find out i'm only going to breathe alcohol for the next hour right see what happens yeah uh, well warren i'll tell you what i've already done my two yeah because I, the problem i'm having is that i have no frame of reference for brandy at all which is good, but also yeah. I don't. So, like with the with the box, how it could be improved, I have no idea. Is it does it need improvement? It's a it's a hundred. It's a hundred. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> I don't know what good. to do. The, yeah. two, the two different samples are 100. They're both a hundred. They both get gold. <laughs> yeah. I think I think now they own ADI oh, because okay. they got that's they won. Yeah. yeah, right. Um, so I, I I don't know. So all I can do is kind of just break down yeah. the spirit with a couple notes here and then. So this is one of the reasons yeah. why we use people who are familiar, who have lots of experience in <laughs> Wait a uh, second. You know, these different categories. So, talking about like, us. We yeah. have a dedicated brandy panel. We have a dedicated rum panel. We now have three dedicated whiskey panels and three dedicated gin panels. And then some sort of we, what we call wild card or miscellaneous panels that get lots of uh, smaller categories like liqueurs mm. and sochu and mezcal and all sorts of uh, other things, absinthe, stuff like that. So um, so we get people who really know brandy, and so they can evaluate. But mm. even for someone like you, I think it's it's possible to say, like, you know, think about what are the what's the balance of flavors? Is there is, are you getting fruit and oak or is it all oak? Is it dry? Is it harsh? Is it is the uh, aftertaste appealing? Is it is it unpleasant? Is there something that seems sort of out of balance? Is it does it have one sort of characteristic and that's it, or is it really complex? Hmm. Um, and those things too, even for somebody who may may not be uh, have experience tasting hundreds of different brandies um, in their lifetime, uh, can can still sort of come to a, a decent evaluation of, of how the spirit is. And, okay. and to me, I do have a preference between the two. So I guess then, because I, I would rank number one higher than number two. Mm-hmm. I would, I think, okay. Go ahead. Sorry, Warren. Because I think number one is way more balanced, like you're saying, between the, the fruit. And I get like some nice apple and oak flavors in number one, and it's all very balanced to me. Well, what would you give it? Give me, give me. Uh, let's let's just let's go through this because we have two more to do. Right. We're running um, up against some time here, so I, mean, I would say it's very good. So <laughs> that means a silver medal. Okay, so you would give one a silver, and right. and what about two? Two. Uh, well, hmm. it's a little young. I'm deciding. Yeah, I'm deciding how mean to be. I guess since it's anonymous. <laughs> yeah, who uh, cares? Yeah. I thought number one had a lot more sort of the spice <laughs> of that uh, the French oak barrel in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I would give. 
to a fair, if I'm being honest. Wow. Yeah. No medal awarded Sorry, in this category. <laughs> yeah. um, I was the opposite. I thought the first one, and you know, we're not going to do brands here, um, You know, it definitely had a, a big oak punch. It was smooth, kind of rounded. It was a nice, sweet finish. Uh, oak after, uh, in the after finish, it was dry. I thought it was a little bitter at the finish. Hmm. I don't know okay. why. That's what I put in how it could be improved. It could be free. <laughs> um, so I gave it a 77, which I think, which is good, according to the scale. Oh, it's a 70 okay. to 79, so that's a yeah. bronze medal. Um, and the second one I gave an 82, which is very good on the scale, and that is a silver. And it, it, the, it had a slightly buttery aroma to me. There is yeah. kind of a, fruiter, a fruitier flavor. Uh, I got a first hint of a sage or, or thyme. Mm. Uh, which is some herbal thing, which I thought was kind of cool. On the second one? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Interesting. And yeah. The, the, the buttery was off-putting to me. It's yeah. my yeah. beer experience. Like, uh, yeah, I that's agree. That's not a flavor uh, I enjoy in drinks. And so, I had to fight it and, yeah. and, and, and go, well, maybe that is... Again, I don't know. I don't oh, right. think about brandy. Yeah. So I, I'm just I'm like, well, to me, that's what I would imagine a brandy would taste like. Mm-hmm. So again, this has no bearing or merit in yeah. anywhere in the world. But um, I besides I, here, besides right. here, right now in the studio, very much right now. Because I, I don't know. So I, I thought the second one to me embodied the, more of the spirit, no pun intended, of of a brandy. It was a little funky, <laughs> um, but the fruit kind of came through, huh. and and it was just kind of more more rounded and put together. Whereas the first one to me seemed it was more oak than okay. anything huh i thought the the alcohol was it was more apparent in number two look if a it boozier. is slightly higher but yeah. yeah i mean and honestly i thought well if i'm gonna wear a smoking jacket and be in my library what am i gonna sniff <laughs> okay on? yeah uh, number two versus number one okay number two is a sniffed a sniffing or whatever yeah with company, not alone in your smoking deck. How did we do, Eric? Did we do all right? Did either, we win? Either, or? Eric. I mean, yeah, no, we did great, great right? There's, there's no wrong answers. Oh. <laughs> there's no, yeah, well, right. Did our judging match the medals that these won or didn't win? <laughs> I'd have to look them up. Oh, okay. So. I'd, have, I'd have to look them God, up. I, I would like, it's a great, we'll look off the air because I really <laughs> yeah. do want to know. Just okay. How well did we do? So I can hate yeah. myself if we don't. <laughs> Um, by the way, I'm judge number zero one. So just so you know that. Oh man, yeah. I'm number two. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on quickly to the second R- round. Rye whiskey, right? Rye whiskey. What category is this, Eric? This would be rye whiskey. Wow. Yes. <laughs> rye whiskey. So you, we will tell people the um, uh, give it in an age range as well. So. Um, so the, the two samples I brought, is, the first one is zero to one year old, and oh. the last, mm. the second one is a three year old. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And would these be typically judged at the same time? Uh, no, just because the number of of rise we get is large enough that we can put the less than one year old together usually in uh, one or two flights, and then. Uh, you know, one to two-year-olds go into a second flight. Two to four-year-olds go on another flight, and That's and so cool. on. So they typically wouldn't be side by side. Okay, um, but it is a good but, representation. And these aren't ones from our judging; these are just ones from my travels, which I thought, oh, oh hey, okay. I'll bring them in. Okay, so I'm I'm smelling them or nosing. I guess it's very it's much more classy to say nosing than than sniffing on, huffing. <laughs> yeah, I'm, sniffing I'm getting on. I'm getting drunk on sniffing on thing. They, There's a big difference. There is a big difference in the aroma. That's uh, that's crazy. So what do you get in the difference of aromas there? The uh, the zero to one the, the the first glass I get more like a like a I don't know if even this is accurate like a milk thistle or like a nettle like a greener component yeah like a sharper greener component and a bitter green grassy yeah, peanut grassy. butter. Hmm. Peanut I don't get butter? peanut butter, but I do get yeah, it's like a grassy. Uh, I can see like if you're talking like. The, kind of how peanut butter and peanuts can get chalky and kind of mm-hmm. musty taste or mm-hmm. smelling. I get that in this, in number one. And number two to me uh, has more of like a raw wood, like a wood shop, kind of sawdust kind of aroma. See, here, here's my problem right now on the beer side for beer judging. You're just writing down what you're tasting. But in here, it's what is good and what, how could it be improved. And And... That, again, is something that's a little bit different from ours. Is for, for most spirit competitions, as I said, they just get a number. They don't get any feedback whatsoever. Yeah. And there are now a couple that will have our borrowing 
sort of a wine approach to judging spirits, which is more along the lines of, you know, uh, identifying specific characteristics in the color, in the in the mouthfeel, in the aroma, in the finish, in the you know taste, and and so on. And they break it down into different sort of components, and then each component gets a score, and then that gets like a total value, and then that gets you know computed into a metal. Um, and so that's the thing. It's typically what we're thinking about when we're tasting, even as just drinking for you know our own enjoyment is like, oh, what am I tasting? That's very common. But for competition, this is it's a different approach. I would say too, you know, you're new to tasting spirits and it's so concentrated. There's so many flavors and so many ex- sort of different experiences going on in your mouth. Your palate can burn. You can taste things on the front of your palate, the back of your palate. And it's, you know, really sitting down with people who are professionals and you'll taste something. And, you know, when I first started off, I'm like, oh, that's good. And then yeah. they're like, no, there's this thing that's burning on the back of my palate. And until you sort of can sit with people and say, oh, yeah, I do feel that. Or, you know, it, 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 it's a difficult thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's especially for me, I'm, out, I'm so out of my element right now. Is the feedback on the what you would change uh, more kind of comments coming from the judges as far as like process changes or are they more saying like we'd like more of this flavor in the it spirit? It depends on the judge's experience. So if they're a bartender or someone in the media, more often you'll see them making suggestions about sort of a general flavor profile. But then uh, one of the reasons why we have distillers is they can, and some also industry consultants is they're often able to give more specific advice such as um it you know some spirit might taste to them like they're they took too long of a heart's cut and so Mm. it's a little bit too harsh and so they should think about adjusting how they're cutting the spirit on their still or they'll say like well it tastes like um maybe there's too much oak contact for how young the spirit is so either think about using a larger barrel for a longer period of time or or moving the spirit from the barrel you have uh to a used barrel so that it can breathe a little bit longer without getting as much oak uh influence on the flavor so it kind of depends on the experience of the judge which is one of the reasons why we try to get people with a, a varied experience it's like a whole new language to switch from, from beer. It's a whole new way to look at how wrong things are. <laughs> For me. I it's, mean, you know, it's harder because there are less ways to be wrong. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> I mean, uh, sometimes the answer is just let it sit longer, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, sometimes that is, though. I mean, that's not always helpful because... Uh, <laughs> If somebody is putting a two-year-old whiskey out onto the market, they intend people to drink it as a two-year-old whiskey. Yeah. So sometimes saying, well, maybe it should spend longer in a barrel isn't constructive. Um, so it, it's, it can be tricky on, on what sort of feedback is, is really helpful. Um, and, but, you know, that's why we select a very, you know, uh, that's why we have a very select group of judges. Interesting. They're, these two are very different. I'm not sure that I've had a rye whiskey that's tasted like either of these, really. Like in one, I'm getting such like a raw grain, raw grass flavor. Yes. And the right. other one is such like a raw wood where it makes me wonder, like, is this barrel even toasted? Or did they, even, oh, like, did they just throw it in the wood? In the in the first one in the zero to to one year, I got a lot of that fresh cut wood kind of thing, red apple skin. In number one, yeah, in number okay. one. In number two, it just you know kind of almost bruised red skin, which seemed weird to go to. But uh, I don't. I gave I gave the the first one. We're just gonna go right to scores here, Warren. I gave the first one eighty four. Eighty four. I really liked it. Really. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, and the second one eighty two. I think they were both very good. Okay. Yeah. I would agree with the 82 on the second one. Okay. I, I would... So that means I win. Yeah, you won that one. Hell yeah. But I, I gave number one a 78. 
78. Yeah. Wow, which is a good. So generous. For that, a that first one I thought is way too young. It's uh, like you guys are talking about grassy flavors. That's yeah. Yeah. a well, typical flavor that people like to drink in their whiskey. And that's true. Number two, I thought it had much more caramelly type yeah. flavors well, in it. Well, so, it, going off of what Eric was saying about, you know, if it's if it's put out as a two-year, then that's what people intended to drink it. So I was like, okay, well, these flavors are, that was the intention of the distiller to put it out. And, and so how does it match with with maybe the, the category that I don't even really fully understand, right. or I didn't look at them as flaws or, or something. I looked at them as an artistic representation <laughs> of, right. what yeah. they, uh, of what they had in mind. Uh, yeah, I, I guess me giving this a 78 is not saying this is what's going to be in my, in my cabinet as my rye whiskey. Correct. It was more just, I've never tasted anything like that. It's interesting. If this is what they're going for, I thought this was a zero to one year. Yeah. Yeah. So for a zero to one, it's, I'm not going to be buying it. I liked it. But yeah. it's good for what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So how did we do, guys? Did we do all right? Were we, are we official judges now? Can we sit in and try not to <laughs> stand up too quick after the judging? Right. <laughs> Let's hit the pause button on <laughs> Just a yeah. minute. What I'm hearing we might is, need to cry yeah. off air. Yeah. What I'm hearing is they're going to think Far about on. it. Yeah. <laughs> well. I will have to say I looked at the I looked at the, the scores for the the brandy round. Number one was a, was awarded a silver, and number two was awarded a bronze. Who oh, knew? guess what? I guess I'm invited <laughs> to the judging. Yeah, but by three points. That's not that big of a deal. What were the scores, though? Do you know? You don't know. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't have the exact. Oh. See, we get that. competitive, so now I need to know the exact scores. And we're gonna well, hold I on. Won, we're so not gonna let matter. you go until <laughs> we're leaving this pause in. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Uh, all right. Well, Eric uh, Zandona, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. I can't even read my own writing. I'm, my apologies. And Eric Owens, both yes. from American Distilling Institute. Thank you guys for coming on and teaching us a little bit about about what you guys do, about the rule of judging in general, and how it differs from beer as opposed to spirits. Yeah. And you guys will be doing That's this for cool. real a month from now. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the platform yeah, to talk about it. January, we'll be, we'll be in the thick of it. Awesome. Well, good luck. And uh, it, it, <laughs> I've done a few beer comps on my own, and it's, uh, even that was no small feat. But I think there was like 50 entries. So, uh, you know, I can't imagine, uh, <laughs> I can't imagine doing it on, on that kind of platform. So uh, good luck, and I'm sure you guys will do fine. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> All right, guys. Oh, and then uh, Eric uh, Owens, how can people learn more about what you guys do at ADI? Distilling.com. <clears throat> so Distilling.com is URL, our dude. main <laughs> website. We have our judging is on there, but, you know, there's a bunch of things we do. We have a conference coming up in March in mm-hmm. Denver, which I'm sure you guys have been there a few times. Oh, yeah, Denver's and great. And then, uh, yeah, we offer hands-on classes, and we have a magazine called Distiller Magazine. And, yeah, check it out. Uh, one of the new things I've done is a map of craft distilleries. Oh. And uh, you can look it up on your phone. You can see, put a zip code in there or, I'm going to say this weird word, geolocate. <laughs> Allow your browser to geolocate, and it will tell you all the distilleries that are around you. Oh, so that's damn. just a web page on there. So everybody check that out. That's see, dangerous, man. To see all the distilleries that are nearest you. What's the definition of craft distiller? Is it defined like beer? Yeah, it's uh, – look it up on the website. Okay. I, I don't wanna, <laughs> oh, it's on your website. I don't want to misquote it now. Oh, okay. it's I, I can speak to that because yes, I, I – um, so we don't have a specific definition for craft d- distiller um, like the beer industry does. Um, instead, we have definitions for craft spirits. Um, so there's a distinction there, in part because a distiller uh, can't – that's small scale, which is part of our definition. So scale of production is part of our definition, okay. like with beer, um, can do two different things out of the same facility. They can ferment malted barley. They can distill it. They can put it in a barrel, and they can uh, let it age and then bottle it as a – craft distilled whiskey that you know that's what we would consider it they could also buy neutral grain spirit from a bulk producer filter it and sell it as vodka and we wouldn't consider that a craft spirit because Mm. they're taking uh, a spirit that they purchased from somebody else and not transforming it in any significant way 
And so because with spirits, the processes matter so much mm-hmm. in terms of how something is made, um, we don't have a, a definition for the, the, the company level, the producer themselves in terms of, um, but we do have a certification process for individual spirits based on how they're made. All right. Well, clear that up. Warren. Yeah, right. I can see why that's not just a simple tagline of <laughs> 2,000 barrels or 2 million barrels annual production. Right, yeah. right. But it does matter. If you're buying two, mer- 2 million barrels from Kentucky and bottling it right. your own. That's not the same thing as fermenting and distilling and aging it yourself. Yeah, not much craft in that. Yeah, exactly. Well, other than, you know, accounting. It's crafty. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, Warren, that was for the month of December. We did my it. friend. So I want you to have a happy new year. I want you to do this for me. I want you to so happy, have a happy new year. Can you okay. do that? I'll, well, I'll try. I'll let you know next month. No. <laughs> Warren can't do that. <laughs> no. no. Uh, I want you to have a good new year also. A uh, good a good uh, 2019. So much pressure now. You got a lot of homework, dude. <laughs> okay. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. This has been Heads and Tails. We'll see you in the new year. Bye-bye.